You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. All right, beautiful people. Let's, um, let's pray together again. Father, we thank you that you do know us best and love us most and that we are your beloved. And just ask that on this Trinity Sunday, as we consider the mysteries the unfathomable, truly, mysteries of the Trinity, of the God who is three in one. Open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, our minds that we would believe, our hearts that we would feel the invitation you extend to us as your gathered people and your beloved household. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before we begin, just want to remind you, we're reading this book, uh, our Wilder Minds Reading Cohort is reading, we read books every summer together. The purpose of this cohort is to teach us how to have hard conversations. Um, The books that we choose are usually uh, broken down into three categories. One is like just like basic Christian living. Uh, One is uh, spiritual formation where it's specific to how we are formed as a people uh, made in the image of God. And the third is always how the gospel intersects with cultural matters and cultural issues. We gather each month to discuss these together for about an hour and a half. You can read at your pace if you decide that you want to read The Loneliness Epidemic, Why So Many of Us Feel Alone, and How We Can Respond. Um, if you decide you want to read that because you did a little research and you haven't started now, it's never too late. Uh, if you want to choose one of the three, choose one of the three. If you want to choose all three, let us know. If, you, if you're at a place right now where you just can't really buy the books, then let us know and we'll get that for you as well because we want, you know, it's cliche to say, but people would say leaders are readers. And I would just say that God gave us a book um, of words. And for those of us who don't like to read, that can be problematic when God gave us a book of words um, that we call the scriptures. And so it's good that we develop the practice and the discipline of reading. If you don't say you have time, then you're exactly the person who needs to do it. Um, Because this kind of way of life takes some discipline. Um, If you don't have time to watch TV, time to listen to music, time to sit by yourself, then you probably don't have time to read. Uh, But if you do have time to do those things, then you probably have time to read. Um, so we want to encourage you to be a part of the conversation with us because it's important. Also, before we begin, want to go ahead and introduce you to a beloved sister. If you have your uh, worship guides, page 11, um, this is our sister Barb, Barbara, Barb Stewart. Do you like how I did that? Probably not. No, I know. That, we'll blame John because he does the worship guide. Um, but come here, Barb, real quick. Barb is joining us in mission. So everybody, welcome Barb. I'm going to read what Barb said. I'm going to read what Barb said. She said, a friend of mine who attends WCC told me that this church takes seriously the mandate to care for the vulnerable, the widow, the orphan, and the poor. I am passionate about helping caregivers of traumatized children and young adults, and this was very attractive to me. As I've learned more about the leadership in the congregation, I've seen the hands and feet of Jesus in action, and that's my why. I want to be a part of a body of Christ who loves God and loves his people in real, tangible ways. Thank you for being the body. Barb, thank you for being a part of the body, and we welcome you. Now, you're going to get to know Barb a little more because she has some certifications in trauma. She is a well-skilled, deep human. Um, We're going to talk about the nonprofit that she's leading uh, over the next several weeks so you can know. Because I think, and the elders think, and the leadership here thinks it is important to know who makes up the body. Right? What, what resources, what assets does God have within who we are as a people? Um, so we can learn from beautiful brothers and sisters 
uh, like Barb. So Barb, welcome to the church family. So church, if you'll stand, and as we always do, extend a hand of blessing over Barb. Father God, we thank you for our sister. We thank you for the passion that you have placed within her heart and the fire that burns. We ask that you would bless her as she joins us in this mission, as she's already joined in your mission, and as she brings what she is doing and how you have made her together in this family and how you've made us and continue to remake us. Bless the ministry and the work of her hands and feet. Establish it. Be with us as a church family that we would know how to love and support her and what you have her doing in this society and in this world. Bless the, the nonprofit that she is forming and building and the hearts of the people that you have entrusted to her to show uh, what it means to be loved by a God who is a relational God. Uh, so bless her in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Welcome to the church family. Now be seated, y'all. So today is Trinity Sunday, and, and Trinity is a word that's not in the Bible. It came into the Bible about it came into the Christian vocabulary by a church leader named Tertullian, who was trying to find a word to describe the idea that what makes Christianity unique is that we worship one God in three persons. That is not three gods who make one God. That is one God in three persons who is one essence or one substance. Do y'all get that? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, right? Natalie was like, yeah, kind of. And that's kind of how it works. Like, trying to interpret the Trinity would be like trying to play, you know, Charlie Parker on um, a mandolin. It just, you're just not going to get very far with that. Or Beethoven on a harmonica. You can make the noise, but you're not going to really make the music. Um, the triune God, the God who is three in one, uh, is this divine and beautiful mystery in the Christian faith. And one of the things that separates the Christian faith from other faiths. And it is hard to wrap our minds around, but here's what I don't believe. I don't believe that it is unknowable. I don't believe the doctrine of the Trinity is something that we're just supposed to believe in our heads and go, yes, what makes our Christianity different is that we worship a God who's three in one. I believe there's profound impact, which is why I love Trinity Sunday, because Trinity Sunday is a Sunday every calendar year that we get to think about what it means to be made in the image of a triune which is the word I'm going to use today. Everybody say triune. A triune God, a God who is Trinity. Now, this may get a little deep, but I'm trusting that you have the Holy Spirit, you have a Bible, and we have each other, and we can wade through deep waters because in the Spirit, we know how to swim. All right? So um, some of us just got to learn to jump in and, and trust that. Uh, so we're going to get there. Uh, so we're going to start with a particular verse just to set the stage. Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 19, by the way, your YouVersion apps, I do encourage you to go ahead and open up the YouVersion app and save it. Uh, that way you have it as a reference because there's some other important things in there as well. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Read this with me. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All right, so where do we begin? Here's where we begin. We are baptized into the life of the triune God by the authority of the triune God. All right, that may mean nothing right now, but just know right now that we're baptized into the life of a triune God, of a God who is three persons. We are loved by a triune God, an eternal community. Everybody say eternal community. An eternal community of three distinct persons who is one in substance and essence. Okay, and that's a heady definition, but this is the great mystery of our faith. One we can learn, but maybe not fully grasp, but God in God's self, 
is three distinct persons of diverse participation. Everybody say diverse participation. What does that mean? Well, God the Father does what God the Father does. God the Son does what God the Son does. God the Spirit does what God the Spirit does. And there's no confusion as to who's doing what. And together they're in this beautiful dance. This beautiful dance that the early church called perichoresis. Now, I know that's a $10 word. But what it simply means is circle dance. That God is in this divine circle dance. Moving and working through creation. Inviting you to dance with God. Inviting you to enter into the circle dance and dance in the purposes and in the life and in the mission of God. You were baptized into that reality. That is far more exciting than sitting on our hands. And for those of you who can't dance, God's not judging. We are, but God isn't. But you, you are invited in to perichoresis, into this God who has this diverse participation in perfect unity. Everybody say perfect unity. unity. Who is committed to faithful, self-giving love. Everybody say faithful, self-giving love. So the God who is three distinct persons in one substance and one essence is a God who is in God's self eternal community of diverse participation, the circle dance, in faithful, self-giving love, and you're invited into that life. That is what it means, actually, to be a Christian. Now, what does it mean? What does it mean to be baptized into the life of the triune God by the authority of the triune God? What does it mean to be welcomed into the life of the triune God, to share in the fullness of God's life by the authority of God. What does it mean then that this God welcomes us, which means hospitality is central to God's triune three-in-one being? What does it mean that God wants us and everyone we meet to share in God's life? What does it mean that God isn't willing and waiting, or God isn't waiting for people to come to God? What does it mean then that God is sending us out into the circle dance, into the world, to invite the world into to the divine dance. And that is why I think perichoresis is an incredible term in the early church because they were trying to explain what is God doing in the world? How is God dancing perfectly in unison and perfect love and in perfect community? How is God moving throughout the world in a way to where there's no confusion as to what God is doing within God's own self? And this divine dance, this idea of the circle dance is one that the church picked up on. And Paul and James and Peter and John and the writers of the New Testament of the Christian scriptures trying to capture this beauty. And I want you to see how specific, see how specific the scriptures are. You're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, not just into God. You with me? We're so abstract in general. God loves you. When you say God, what do you mean? In the closing words of his second letter to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 13, 13, Paul says this. He offers a triune blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. He didn't just say, God bless y'all. Right? He didn't even just say, go with God. Paul doesn't want the early church to forget that we are a part of a life of a triune God. 
And he says, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Now, real quick, we say this a lot, but I'll say it again. Fellowship is a Greek word, koinonia. It means intimate, shared life. It means shared life, intimate partnership. We are in an intimate partnership with the Holy Spirit. That's what fellowship, koinonia means. It's not a hall we eat at. It's not something we do when we go eat together where we have some fellowship. I mean, that's not what it means. Fellowship is actually a position as much as it is a verb. Koinonia is what we are. We have an intimate life with God. Shared partnership with God. That's the language. Intimate. That's the dance. That's the dance. We experience a common life with God. Or at least we are invited to experience a common life with God. And we're invited to experience a common life with one another. So Paul writing to the Christians living in Ephesus. Striving economic city of about 250,000 people. Great diversity. Served as a leading city in the richest region of the Roman Empire. That's Ephesus. Early inscriptions used to refer to Ephesus as the metropolis of Asia. Paul writes and he says this in Ephesians 2, verse 18. For through him, Christ, we both have access in one spirit to what? Oh, it's not up there. To the Father. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Everybody say God's household. Members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. We both have access in one spirit to the Father through Christ. You are enfolded into the life of the triune God. My question is, do you know what that means and do you live that way? Because that's the reality, the stated reality over your life. The stated reality over your life is that you are enfolded into the life of a God who within God's own self is community. A God who within God's own self is a God who is in this circle dance of diverse participation. A God who within God's own self is faithful, eternal, self-giving love. You are enfolded into a life that literally never ends. That's how we live forever. We live forever because our life becomes God's life. God's life becomes our life is actually the way to say it. We have access into this. We are loved by a triune God, an eternal community of three distinct persons of diverse participation and faithful self-giving love and perfect unity. You want to know why we long for unity so much? Because we are actually wired for it. We're actually made for it. So when we don't sense it, when we don't feel it, we know something's wrong. But what's ironic is just as much as we're wired for unity, we're wired for community. And just as much as we're wired for community, we're wired for dancing. We're wired to do... <laughs> Danny was like, not me, bro. Ain't nothing dancing about this. Ain't nothing dancing... We're wired to participate. We want to share in something. 
We are wired to share in something bigger than ourselves, right? We want to contribute to the world. We want to do something in the world. We want to be something in the world. We want to be a part of a people in the world. And we want unity in a world where it's so fragmented and broken. Where does that come from? That's what it means to be made in the image of God. So even non-believers, even unbaptized people yearn for that because it is how we are made. It's how we're wired. And what's ironic is we go in trying to find those things anywhere else we can. So we join clubs, we join frats, sororities, we join things, we join, we join civic organizations. Things that in themselves may not be bad, but it's a longing that we are not paying attention to. We're grasping for new relationships and new relationships and best friends and not best friends and, and community. and circle. We're, we're grasping. These are the things that we're grasping for, but we grasp everywhere else. And then we're grasping for to be known. We want to be known. We want to be seen. We, and so when we're not seen and we're not known, we, we make noise and we do things. We're grasping for that. Where is that coming from? That is evidence of the image of God working itself out in us. That is God's image born in us, maybe marred by sin and held captive to the reign of sin and death, are liberated into the kingdom of God. But that is us. That is our yearning coming out of us. And what's sad is when we as Christians grasp for those same things, when it's literally here and here. But because we don't like what we see here, or we don't get what we see here, we try to grasp out there. And we join all kinds of other dances. And it's not good for our life. We exhaust ourselves because we're dancing the wrong dance. It's not the divine dance of perichoresis. That word that the early church used to describe the Trinitarian God who is this God of diverse participation who dances among God's own self into the world, never confused, never stepping on God's toes, doing the dance, inviting us to dance with God into the life of God in a world that is in desperate need of dancing. So there are three simple declarations, declarations that I wanted to make today with you. Declaration. Did that, did that come up either? Did I not? Okay, okay, good deal. I want to make sure because there are three simple declarations. Declaration number one, I am made in the image of our triune God, so I am made for community. Let's read it together. I am made in the image of our triune God, so I am made for community or relationship. Whichever one. I messed up the slides royally apparently today. Right? Like, where are the slides? Keep you guessing. Ain't that right? We still get the point, don't we, Robin? I love, I love Robin. I was like, you got this, Fred. You got this. I am made. So you are made for community. So for those of you who are introverts who want to be alone, sweet. Go do that. But you're not made to be alone forever. The reason why you'll get depressed in your aloneness, the reason why you'll feel isolated in your aloneness, is because you weren't made to be alone. You were actually made in the image of God, which means you were made for relationship. You were made for community, not just for relationship. You were made for community. God, Father, Son, and Spirit is not a couple. So it's not just my family. This is why the American notion of the family as the center to life is not the most faithful biblical expression of community. It's what we prefer. It's our people. Get it. Like, y'all know, about 11.35, when this service is over, I'm done with all y'all. I love y'all. 
like I'm done, right? I want to be with my wife, I want to be with my son, get some, get some wind in my sails, then we can come back and, and do people again, right? So I, I, I get the cup running out. But for those of us who allow the introversion to get the best of us, because it's how we are, and it's a beautiful thing, being made as an introvert, being made as an extrovert is a beautiful thing, unless you're an introvert, but either way. How we are wired in our personality is a beautiful thing, and it's good, but it can go wrong if we don't live into our purposes as being made in the image of God. So be in community. That's why this ain't just about coming to church. And I know that we can all have friends outside the church, and I think it's a beautiful thing, and everybody should, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're not a cult. I'm glad somebody, yeah, right? That's right, we ain't a cult, Fred. I don't know what you're talking about. Is this live streamed? <laughs> but this is where we're having the conversation. So why not have community in this place too? Because this is where we share in a common life. The koinonia, the fellowship. Love one another. Guard one another's. Protect one another's. Kingdom values. I love how some of y'all got snarky. Kingdom values. Get it right. Believe. Sing. That's a common life. You can go to any church and they're supposed to, they may live into one another commands, but that's what we state every week. We hold each other to that. We're not going to assume that. Right? That's called a common life. So why not have community here? Because it's possible. Matter of fact, in a fellowship of difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-T-S, that's the life-giving part. But you got to work for it. We want to shortchange and shortcut community. But that's not how community works. But it is how we are wired. So say it with me. I am made in the image of our triune God, so I am made for relationship. Don't allow the harsh realities of life, the pride of life, or sin to create isolation and cause you to go at life alone. Our society misguidedly prioritizes the individual over community. Don't give in to that temptation to elevate yourself to the point of isolating yourself. The triune God is eternal community, and communion opens outward to invite all of us into God's life. Declaration 2. I am made in the image of our triune God. I am made for love. Let's say it. I am made in the image of our triune God. I am made for love. I am made to be seen. I'm made to be known. The one thing that our church could do better, I think, is sing one another's praises. I think we could send cards of encouragement to one another probably more. I think we could celebrate the people who serve and lead more. I think we could celebrate the joys and successes of one another more. I think we could do that, and I don't think you need me to do that for you. I think you could say, Thad, hey man, exciting stuff that you're graduating on up to the next stage. I think you could say to Gray and all the other kids that are, I mean, you, the ones we waved at, I think you said to all the kids, hey, it's a good thing that you're getting up there. We're, we're supporting you. Graduating, the graduates, the seniors, you know, celebrating and singing praises. Because why? Why does sing one another's praises matter? Because we're made to be known. We're made to be seen because we're made for love. We're made to actually be celebrated, rejoiced over, doted over, adored, longed for. 
And then when we're not, when we aren't seen, when we're not known, we pine. Or maybe we just feel isolated and we feel unknown and alone. We feel unseen. And that's death of a thousand cuts. We yearn to be known and loved as we feel secure in this kind of love. This yearning, it's so deep that we discover that in the end, no other love will satisfy but the love of the triune God. Even these other things, all of this singing one another's praises, they're signposts that is supposed to point to the God who dances over us. Did you know that's what Zechariah said? That God dances over us. Did you know that? I'm telling you, dancing is biblical. That's what I'm saying. Now, some of y'all, you know, just dance by yourself. Dancing, I remember when I tried to tell y'all, I was trying to be honest with my life. I bought me some jazz shoes, some jazz tap shoes, and I was trying to do jazz tap, and some of y'all had jokes. I remember who you were. I remember, I remember who you were. <laughs> trying to joke with me about my jazz tap. We are made for the dance. We are made to be invited in because this eternal God of love who knows us best and loves us most loves us without caution or restraint. And God's love is anchored in this covenant that God made to God's people that is sealed in the blood of Christ. And at the end of it all, only God can liberate us only God can liberate you into the dance you long for. You need to know that. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You're going to look for it everywhere else. You're going to look for it in even good things, in good hobbies, and things that aren't bad at all. You're going to look for it in things that are life-giving and that are even of God, but that's not where your life will be found. So what does it mean for you to be made in the image of a triune God that you are made for love? Trust in God's love and listen to the king as God whispers, abide in my love and follow me. Third declaration, I am made in the image of God. I am made in the image of our triune God. I am made for self-giving participation. Let's say it together. I am made in the image of our triune God. I am made for self-giving participation. The God who gives the Father, who gives the Son, who gives the Spirit, who gives us God's presence, does so for our good, so that as a community of individuals, not individuals who make community, as a community of individuals, community first of individuals, in our participation to the divine dance, we give of ourselves. We give of our time of our talent, of our treasure. We're made for that. We are summoned to join God in this beautiful dance of mutual submission. Everybody say mutual submission. That's what this looks like. The self-giving love part is the mutual submission part. We have a distinct place. You, beloved, have a distinct place within God's purposes and among God's people. So trust in this life that God has given you. Now, I want to I shift just a bit because I want to talk about this. Like this particular part, probably the most, and then we'll close, close this particular time together. This is how our triune God is trying to form us. Our triune God is trying to form us for community, 
a faithful love, but diverse self-giving participation. Casey, you're okay. You ain't got to do that. Casey's like, I'm not here, y'all. I'm not here. I just, I just showed up. I just showed up. Sister, no, no, no worries. We, we, had, we, had, we had some people like here at 9 o'clock. Like, just list, like, it's all good. People are going to show up at 11. I mean, it's going to keep happening. So it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, glad you're here. Yeah, there we go. It's all good. Huh? Yeah, no, hey, you know, it is what it is. We are made for this. Society, though, is trying to form us against this. And I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, society's against us. What I'm saying is there are two formations you get to choose in your life. You choose the formation of the triune God or you choose the formation of a society given to the reign of sin and death. We do get to choose. We choose who we give ourselves to in the formation. So when the, when the purposes of God are not priority of my life, it's going to be evident in how I, le- how I actually love my neighbor or my spouse. When the purposes of God are not the priority of my life, it's going to be evident in my time. It's going to be evident in my talent and what I do with my talent. And it's going to be evident in how I deal and spend and take care of and steward my treasure. And so if you say, well, what's the kingdom of God about? Well, Paul says this in Romans 14, verse 17. He says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. That was a particular issue he's chucking on. He says, but but read it, justice, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So justice, shalom, joy. Joy means to be satisfied. Peace means human flourishing. Justice means seeing the rights, seeing the wrongs in the world made right. This is the call of the kingdom of God. So this is the self-giving participation part. And I know we talk about this all the time, and I get accused of hobby riding things sometimes when it comes to this justice idea. But if you read your scripture, it is talked about almost more than anything else in the Bible. Why? Because loving your neighbor as yourself actually has to look like something. Like it's got to mean something concretely and tangibly in the world. You can't be like, oh, I love my neighbor, but I'm not going to give my money to help my neighbor pay, whatever. That's not what this looks like. That's not Christianity. That's just going to church. Going to church can love your neighbor without any concrete expressions at all. But being a Christian cannot. You see the difference? And there is one. The kingdom of God, if the reign and the rule of God is about justice, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, then it's got to look like something. And there's a little verse that I wanted to end on that I have always thought is beautiful, and it's about this thing called reality. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Paul's writing this young apprentice, someone he loved like a son, this young pastor. Pastor Paul's writing Pastor Timothy, this young man, and he's trying to give him what it means to pastor church. He says in verse 15, I've written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in what? So what are we, y'all? We're God's household. What does that mean? You know that's family language, right? That is familiar language, which means we're going to fuss, fight, all the things. We're going to do all the things, right? But, But to be a part of a church is to be part of a household. That's not an event that we attend. That's why I have no problem when I don't see you on Sundays asking you where you are. I'm serious. Like it's not it's not like a that's not like a thing where I'm just like wanting to browbeat you. I'm just like, we hadn't seen you in a minute. You okay? That's why you'll get a call from the shepherds. Not because people are checking you and and but that's what it means to be a family. Like what if you went missing? Missing out like you you jumped off the you jumped you jumped out of the household of God back into the reign of sin and death. 
That's what it means. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. That's what the text says. So you have this theme that we're a household of the triune God, a people made in God's image, made for community, for love, for self-giving participation. We share in God's life now and forever as God's household, this family language. And so what Paul does in this letter is he covers a whole list of concerns. All right, he talks about godliness and generosity when he gets to chapter 6, and that's what I want to talk about, godliness and generosity. Everything I just did was just the introduction. Just kidding. (laughs) Some of y'all like, he's been long-winded for like four weeks. What is going on? Some of y'all say that. Some of y'all going to be like, thinking about lunch. This is, for the, this is for those of us who didn't know we started at 9 a.m. Right? This is part two for y'all. So here's the thing. Paul spent some of this time writing to Timothy about this triune God, about pursuing righteousness and godliness and faith and love and compassion. And that's the whole point because he's writing. He says, I want you to know. This, so you can tell the household of God, the people of God, the people at our church, the pillar of the truth, that they are the ones who embody and speak the truth. In a world that is, in a society, in a country actually, that is afraid of the truth, the church should be the ones who embody it. The church should be the ones who not just tell it, but who embody it. So in that community, here's how they're supposed to act as a household. We're not a club, we're not merely a society, we're a family, so here's how we act as a household. And this is one of the things that I see. So it goes through and he says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. And then he says this in verse 17. And, and the thing is, is it's gonna say, he's, it sounds like he's just instructing the rich, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to leverage that a little bit within its context, okay? He is specifically talking to those who have means, all right? But in reality, in some way, all of us have means. All of us have some forms of privilege, power, and position that can be leveraged for the good of other people. And that's actually the third book in the reading cohort that we're talking about, Subversive Witness. It actually talks about that. Instruct those who are rich in the present age. So right now, everybody say right now. Right now. Not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. So why does God give us things? To enjoy them. So eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow you shall die. That's what Ecclesiastes says, right? That's encouraging. Like, why do you have to say that last part? Can we just stop with the eat, drink, and be merry part? Instruct them to do what is good. To be, read this with me, rich in good works. To be generous and willing to share. Storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age. This is my favorite line. So that they may take hold of a life that is real. You see that? That is real. You want real life? Then embrace generosity as a way of life. You want real life? Then dance in the dance of God in love for your neighbor, in justice, in peace, and in joy. You want real life? Then get into the fray of the brokenness of the world and do good. You want real life? Then be a person who gives even when you don't have. You want real life? Then offer your time, your talent, and your treasure for the good of a neighbor. That's real life. Anything less than that is a fictitious kind of fake Life, because we are made in the image of a triune God, and we're made for that. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. You have God. So what else you need? Here's the problem. We live in a culture of scarcity. Scarcity is the word saying a fear of not enough. 
Gas prices are high, y'all. That food getting the food bills high. Property taxes go up. All of a sudden, that refinance you did on your home just went away. Facts. We're living at a time in our particular society where scarcity is felt in a particular kind of way. And as Christians, if we're not careful, we'll fall into the trap of living as though that are truly like that. That's the facts on the ground. That we do live, that there's not enough gas to go around because not enough money to go around. Things are tight. Money's tight. Everything's tight. My pants are tight. Kind of like everything's tight. <laughs> I'm just saying, everything's tight. That's why I, I praise God for those elastic britches that people make. You know that jean material, that, that stretchy material? I'm all over that. I'll never buy a pair of non-elastic pants again in my life. I'm sorry. That's, that's too much. Is that too much? I know, right? She's so like, you lost us. Just go to the table. You're welcome to the table. Everything's tight. Everything is tight. And we're liable to fall into this trap that there's not enough to go around. And so what ends up happening, what ends up happening is we start mistaking ownership for stewardship. You feel me? Because when things get scarce, we start thinking we own things. So we possess, we compete, we win, we hoard, we store, we save, we cling. When things get tight, our grasp gets tighter. And we start forgetting that all is grace. That all is grace. We don't own it. We steward it. Every bit of it. Our time, our talent, and our treasures we are stewards of it, not owners of it. And for far too long, many of us think we own our time. So we do with our time whatever we want and only love our neighbor when it's convenient. We only come to church if we just hadn't come in a while. We only get involved in the life of the community when it's easier or convenient for us to do so. And I'm saying that that's pushing us away from the life of the triune God. You're saved in all that, going to heaven when you die, all those things. But it's pushing us away from the experience of the fullness of a life that is what? That is real. When we hold in our talents and we cling tight to our talents and we don't share and give those talents away, whatever talents we have, we're pushing ourselves away from taking hold of a life that is real. And when we have our treasures, that extra car, that extra house, or that extra coat, that extra $10, and we aren't willing to part with it when we see the need. We are pushing away from a life that is real. What I wanted to do today, truly, more than anything else, is to anchor why, as a people who are made in the image of a triune God, we are not made for scarcity. We are made for abundance. But we have to choose it. You with me? We have to choose abundance. So we give the time because we know we're stewards of it, not owners. We give the treasure because we know we're stewards of it, not owners. We give the talents. Hey, I can do that. I can take care of that. I can serve that. I can go get that. Because we know that we're stewards of it, not owners. 
Because here's what could happen. Scarcity is going to continue to rear its ugly head. It does it all the time. This isn't our first time here. But I got a call from a family just Saturday in the middle of a beautiful event, the Virginia Racial Healing Institute. We just launched out Journey Toward uh, Racial Healing. Just this beautiful event. While I'm at this event, my phone blows up. There's a family who's living in their car, and they've never had that happen to them before, and that's where they are. And they heard, that, they heard from somebody that, that, that we would help. So we did, because that's what Christians do. You know what the tragedy is? They heard from another Christian that other Christians would help. I'm like really weary of that, y'all. But I can't, like, this is us. This is going to happen more. There are going to be more needs. We're going to have needs even here. Gas is going to be harder for some who drive a long way. We're going to need to help. Child care is going to get thin. We're going to need to help. People are going to get sick. We're going to need to help. We have to be the household of God that we are, and we take on a life that is real because we're made in the real life of the real triune God. We're not a club. We're a people who are part of a household made in the image of a triune God. We have the invitation by this God of the triune God. This, this triune God invites us to share in God's life, to see abundance in a culture of scarcity. We have a chance to model abundance in a culture of scarcity. And that will be a different story to tell in Williamsburg, James City County. Are you with me? Now, I don't know what it is. I'm not setting you up for anything. There's no, I'm just saying it seems to be ramping up. So hold on to this life that is real. And know that real life is going to push against it. Scarcity is going to push. Scarcity of time, talent, and treasure is going to push. So hold on to this life that is real and let go of the real life that you live in that's trying to tell you there's not enough. Because who are you? Go back to the declarations if you don't mind, Sherry. Who are you and I? Let's read it together. I am made in the image of our triune God, so I'm made for relationship. I am made in the image of our triune God, so I am made for love. I am made in the image of our triune God, so I am made for self-giving participation. And the truth is, every human being on planet Earth is made for this too. And we're the ones who say, we know why. Then let's live our life in such a way that they know why. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.